What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Tuned Up, or as we are rebranding, Renegade Animation on the Renegade Pop Culture Podcast Network. My name is Mike. I will be your host for this evening. And wow, we have we have a big show today. There's a lot of news plus reviews for Blood of Zeus, The Liberator, The Mighty Ones, and of course, Hulu's reboot of The Animaniacs. But first, I've got my co-captain Cameron here. Howdy, howdy. He's going to take us through uh, the news for the past couple weeks. So Cameron, what do you got? All right. So let's start with some of the more uh, sadder news, just so we can just properly mourn the loss of some big animation heads. Uh, the other shoe has dropped for the Ruby Spears production founders because Ken Spears um, has passed away at the age of 82 from Louis body dementia. And it's a shame if he passed away a few months after uh, his co-partner, Joe Ruby uh, passed away around the same age, I think. And, you know, they were the ones who founded a, uh, uh, Ruby Spears Productions made a lot of animated shows that were similar to Hanna-Barbera because they worked at Hanna-Barbera and they were the ones that invented Scooby-Doo. So it's a shame. Like, rest in peace, man. Another animation giant gone. Mm. Now, another sadder death, or not a sadder death. Um, it's well, it's a little more close to me. Uh, Kirby Morrow, a, an actor you may have seen on uh, Stargate as a day dayless um or the day dayless bridge officer you would also know him as moroku from the english dub of inuyasha and cyclops from the x-men evolution show from uh, around the early 2000s he unfortunately has passed away and this is really upsetting because of course i grew up with inuyasha and x-men evolution and he was a very talented voice actor he was also the Ocean's dub version of Goku from yep. when Ocean dubbed Dragon Ball Z. And it's a shame because he was going to come and reprise his role in the Yasha Hime uh, dub along with the other original cast members. Well, I'll still enjoy Yasha Hime, but knowing that he, uh, I guess he, like there's some talks and comments that said he was able to record a few episodes that he appeared in, but you know, it's a shame. That's a very young age. <laughs> I mean, that's like a decade or so older than me. So, and unfortunately, we lost a, another animation uh, veteran, a Canadian animator and director named Hannah Kukal, has passed away from the worst thing in the world cancer. She worked on a lot of stuff from Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, uh, Katie and Orby, and was um, a main head in uh, Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest, Anastasia, she worked on Space Jam, The King and I, Joseph King of Dreams, and Osmosis Jones. It's a shame, you know? Like, we keep losing these people, and sometimes a lot of animation fans don't know who these people are. So, hopefully, we have educated y'all on some of these important people who have either worked in the industry or voiced some of your favorite characters. Yeah, <sighs> it's it's a shame that that we lose these people either so young or to terrible terrible diseases. Yeah. Well, the, I guess the only thing we can do is keep moving, and that's what we're going to do. 
Uh, we forgot to mention this a couple times. Uh, Paramount's animated film Rumble, the big giant kaiju monster fight wrestling thing with uh, Will Arnett and uh, Terry Crews, has been delayed from Janu- January to May 2021. Which hopefully, if we have our stuff together, we will be able to see it in the theater and then talk about it. We'll just have to see. Um, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they just put it on demand or Netflix buys it. I don't, I don't know. It's like I I want to have optimism for Paramount's animation lineup, but some I don't know. It just seems like some of the films that were uh, come have come out this year were probably just like I don't know a disappointment with uh if they were in theaters and whatnot you know yeah my optimism for paramount animation dwindles almost every day yeah no i I hope it's good i hope their stuff is quality even though they're working with a company that has hired us a dirt bag um but we won't get into that um so uh snoop dogg and vince vaughn are going to be working on a uh animated comedy um with uh yeah with snoop dogg who is also executive producing with his um manager and business partner ted chung and vince vaughn um and it's called oaklandia i'm kind of happy to hear that there are more uh animated shows or and stuff coming to amazon because like i said a while back when we were talking about uh what was that invincible that superhero show yep uh that i felt like uh amazon kind of gave up on animation they had like a bit like a good start but then just puttered out but uh yeah we have uh, other people involved with victoria vaughn and peter billingsley um joining the cast and the project is written by an executive produced by daniel dominguez who worked on gin lock and seis manos and chris uh powell who uh yeah so you know sounds promising i'm it is kind of interesting to see another rapper joining into the animation scene since we just talked about Ludacris making a show for netflix specifically with snoop dogg though it's it's interesting how this is his first like major step in animation like you you'd think he you think he would um had more to do with it earlier in his career yeah and he's kind of like been like i know some people like to make fun of like who he was and then now like who he is now just kind of like maybe a slightly cartoonish version of what people think of him and he's been in like uh He's voiced like different animated characters. Like he was in Black Dynamite and uh, there was this one animated uh, TV film for uh, Adult Swim. I forgot what it was called, but it had like T-Pain and a bunch of rappers connected to it. And it was actually kind of interesting. Um, But anyway, um, so there's a Discworld adaptation for Amazing Maurice coming out. Um, And it has two cast members joining called uh and they are hugh laurie and amelia clark and you know uh discworld is by the famed uh late author uh terry pratchett which which had a uh, quirky sense of humor and just a very offbeat uh style of storytelling and such so i i don't know i i think it looks kind of cute there's a a picture of it and this cat looks like uh, Hugh Laurie from House, <laughs> just just a <laughs> facial look of it and such. It's it's kind of perfect. Yeah, it is kind of it is perfect. Um, 
So if you ever read the newspaper and go to the comics, you might remember Hagar the Horrible. He's getting a new animated comedy series with King Features and the Jim Henson Company um, working on it. And Eric Zierbrowski is going to uh, write the the script. I'm kind of curious because as like popular as those uh, newspaper comics or the comics that started in newspapers and whatnot um, have been, they rarely get like proper animated like projects. You may, you might see like a special here and there or like a TV show, but uh, I'm surprised that it's taken this long for Hagar the Horrible since he's a very like, like I remember reading Hagar the Horrible when I was younger. Same. Uh, any thoughts? Um, I I just want to see whatever whatever uh, the Jim Henson Company has in mind. I I vaguely remember um, some of the shorts from like the late '80s, but un, unlike unlike Peanuts or Garfield, Hag of the Horrible never really got that like that major animation um, spotlight. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see. Uh, hint. The, uh, the series will be made using Henson's Digital Puppetry Studio. And uh, Zeobrowski has previously worked on like American Dad and Don't Trust the Bee and Apartment 23. So um, I hope it's good. Like, I'm, I'm curious to see how they translate it. I hope they don't try to like, you know, focus test it because Hagar had a very charming sense of humor about itself. So we'll, we'll just have to see how it goes. Uh, Webtoon, the digital comics company has launched a production division, which will be focusing on a, like it's a multimedia project. Basically they're going to make movies, shows and interactive stuff based off of their, uh, I guess not notorious, but polarizing web comics because not all of their adaptations in anime form have really worked out, especially with stuff like noble essay. And you may vary your experience with the God of high school. And I'm sure this is happening because of the recent uh, Crunchyroll buyout. So they're going to be like, okay, we don't really want to rely on Crunchyroll. So maybe we'll work on making our own stuff, but we'll have to see. Any uh, thoughts about it? Not necessarily. Um, I It's it's more just a wait and see for me. Yeah, yeah same here. Uh, I don't know if I brought this up already. Um, so there's a rumor going around that cars is going to be made into a TV series for Disney plus and they want to bring back uh, Cruz Ramirez in lightning McQueen. And there's not a whole lot talk to talk about right now. There's a, uh, there's apparently like Keith Ferguson is going to voice lightning McQueen and they're trying to get uh, Cristela Alonso for Cruz Ramirez and um, Corbin blue has apparently joined the cast who is a part of high school musical. Um, and he's going to be a, a character he voiced in Cars 3, Cam Spinner. And uh, supposedly Larry the Cable Guy is going to return as Mater. Um, and uh, Brett Ewan as Bobby Swift's crew chief and Tony. Um, I'm, I, I guess I'm not shocked. I guess I feel like this should have happened sooner than later. Like after the, the three films have been made and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we'll have to see. It's not super official. Or it's like it's not an official like con- confirmed thing, but uh, yeah, we'll just have to see where that goes. Um, so uh, former Netflix Veep uh, Eric Barmax, uh, studio a uh, new company called Wild Sheep Content, is joining. Um, well, 
they're not joining. They're making a adult animated uh, romantic comedy series based off of uh, Mirka and Dolfo's Sweet Paprika. And um, basically, if you've heard, um, I mean, like, I'm sure if you're an online webcomic kind of person, you'll recognize the title of it and such. And it's going to be directed by Gabrielle Penacilio, who's worked at like uh, DreamWorks for 25 years. And, and also uh, worked on uh, Love, Death, and Robots. Yeah, The Witness. That's a trippy short from that series. Um, he's also writing and illustrating it. Um, is yeah, a Sweet Paprika comic series to be produced, probably just to set up to be alongside it. So uh, we'll have to see. I'm kind of curious to see how, uh, like, I guess you could say like the adult comedy animated scene is very hit and miss. Because you get stuff like uh, Close Enough, and then you also get stuff like Hoops and Crossing Swords, and uh, maybe it's something in between like Star Trek Lower Decks. But from the visuals that I've seen of Sweet Paprika, it looks pretty promising. I, I like something that looks a little different than what we normally get. And with the guy behind The Witness, um, it should be good. Yeah, look, looking, looking at that... Uh, that- uh, teaser image it this this looks like it could be a lot of fun yeah yeah i can't wait so uh i guess we might have a mouse infestation because we have to talk about the tom and jerry trailer which is we're not going to tackle it because i don't really consider films like the tom and jerry movie coming out uh to be like in the animation category unless it was something like a uh, cool world or who framed roger rabbit this is more in the line of like the the Yogi Bear, the uh, and the the ilk of that stuff. To be to be fair though, this this was produced by Warner uh, Warner Animation Group, so yeah. it's it's like right on the line. Yeah, it is, and you know the so we so the story you know is about you know Tom and Jerry going into the big city, and Jerry ends up at a hotel that's um, owned by Michael Pena. Um, well, he's the boss of the hotel and the story will follow, uh, Kayla, um, a new, uh, resident, uh, employee, um, at the hotel played by Glo- uh, Chloe Grace Mortez. And she enlists, um, Tom to help get Jerry out of there because, you know, it's a Dunstan checks in, uh, kind of plot line of like, we got to have the most amazing event at this hotel. And if this does well and yada, 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 that kind of thing. Um, Overall, I think the animation for the film looks good. I, I I think it's interesting that they make all the animals animated. I don't know if there's ever going to be an in-universe like explanation for that, but I, I, hope, I like I hope, that. I hope there isn't. Yeah, no, I, I don't want that to happen. I think that's uh I think that's gonna be kind of like a fun detail to not explain to anyone. And in terms of the animation overall. It looks pretty good. I think it it's very fluid. The characters look like they do. They don't try to go that like Yogi Bear route where they have like the hyper real real textures and creepy looking designs and such. They look like Tom and Jerry. It's like the uh, the Rocky and Bullwinkle movie from like a, two decades ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you have anything to say? Um, I'll I'll say this. This is a this is a great um, proof of concept for what we could expect for uh, Space Jam Legacy. Um, because I've, I've been curious for, a lo- for like the longest time, like how 
um, the Looney Tunes are going to look in that movie. And if they look, if they look as good in that um, as I do in Tom and Jerry, mm-hmm. then I, I think that I think there's uh, there's potential there. Yes. As, um, as for yeah, as for this movie itself, um, this plot is clearly bar- borrowed from the '90s. <laughs> which which, which is fine i'm like i i will still see i will still go check this out and i'm i'm sure it'll be just fine yeah no this this one will probably be harmless i mean if it can be like as somewhat appealing as the sonic movie from this year that'll be fine like i'm not expect we're not expecting anything great but i just don't want anything that look that looks or feels like all of those movies like the smurfs live action movie the fat albert one and um and it's i guess some of the talent has me worried like tim story who worked on barbershop the fantastic four and ride along um and i mean i i like the cast like ken jong and rob delaney and such um i'm a little disappointed and this is just a fan thing for me and i've heard this everywhere else i i kind of wish they took the recordings of tom's yell from the old cartoons yeah that yeah go ahead details like that would have would have made this like just that much that much um more authentic yeah because that's a very iconic yell they're like ah um which were i think brought were like done by like one of uh either hannah or barbara It, it was uh bill hannah yeah so yeah it's like I mean, because everything else looks fine. The comedy looks pretty solid and whatnot. There are some, there were like a few groaner jokes, but uh, you know, if everyone's on, hopefully on the same wavelength and it looks like Michael Pena knows exactly what kind of movie this is along with Ken Jong. Uh, but we'll have to see. I hope it's good. You know that, but I also, I also kind of agree with some people saying this should be put on HBO max. It's like, I don't know. I don't know if this really needs a theatrical release but uh, I don't know. What do you think? Um, we'll, we'll see. Um, yeah, w- yeah. If, if Wonder Woman is getting the HBO Max treatment, then this, this one probably should as well. I, I'm sorry. It's like <laughs> you can put, you put Wonder Woman on there, but you think Tom, Tom and Jerry is the thing to save theaters. If Tenet couldn't <laughs> save theaters, then Tom and Jerry has no way in Hades a chance. So I'm sorry. <laughs> I hope it's good. That let's just keep it at that. Um, so we gotta get dangerous because Darkwing Duck has is, you know, getting a reboot um for Disney Plus. I mean, duh, we were we knew this was going to happen. Uh, but so far there's no writing writer attached to the project, but it will be executive produced by seth rogan evan goldberg james weaver and alex mick uh mick at uh point gray pictures this this when i when i read this this was a record scratching moment for me <laughs> for, for two for two reasons one okay yeah sure we knew a darkwing duck reboot was inevitable af- after the um the hour-long ducktail special yeah um I, I had a feeling that it would end up on Disney Plus because um, we know that Disney is focusing their their resources on streaming. Right. But Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg? <laughs> um, this, this, is the, this is the news that I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a shocking pair of... Uh, that's a, 
like cast of names to attach to something like Darkwing Duck. But I, I'm looking forward to it. If this is going to be anything like their uh, like adaptation work on the boys and so on, I think that will be uh, this will be a pretty interesting reboot. Now, uh, here's a question. Would you like this more in the spirit of DuckTales or would you rather this have its own energy? No, that's a good question. Um, personally, I've gotten so invested in the DuckTales world that I would like if it was up to me, I would rather just like the, those versions of the characters continue. Mm-hmm. But um, but if Rogan and Goldberg have their own their own take on the character and they just happen to be using the same voice casts, then more power to them. Yeah, it'll be definitely interesting because at least like if they do keep it in the same spirit of DuckTales, crossovers will make a lot more sense and will not be distracting because I know like when Disney had all of their uh, animated series crossover back in the early 2000s, it was a little distracting because some of them obviously had way different art styles <laughs> compared to one another. So uh, we'll have to see. I think this sounds like a promising uh, project. So the Critics' Choice Awards have been revealed and their animation categories, well, yeah, categories have been really varied. So uh, let's just quickly go through some of the categories. So best animated movie, uh, we have Onward uh, from Disney uh, and Pixar, Over the Moon uh, from Netflix, uh, a Shaun the Sheep movie, Farmageddon. I'm kind of ha- I'm surprised, but also happy to hear that this one got in. Um, for Netflix, Soul for Disney Plus, duh. Uh, the Willoughby's. I'm happy about that one getting in also. Same. And uh, Wolf Walkers, which unless Soul is like the the best thing ever, I want Wolf Walkers to win. Um, but that's just me. I I reserve my thoughts on that until I see Soul, but. Otherwise, Wolfwalkers is is my number one. Yeah, so, uh, so best voice actor in an animated movie, we have Jamie Foxx for Soul, Will Forte for The Willoughbys, Tom Holland in Onward, John Krasinski in Animal Crackers. That, that was a shock to me. I was kind of happy to see that. Uh, Chris Pratt in Onward, and Sam Rockwell in The One and Only Ivan, which I haven't seen, but I've heard people kind of like that one. Same. Uh, best voice actress in an animated movie, we have Tina Fey in Soul. Uh, Honor Kanifsi uh, for Wolfwalkers, Maya Rudolph in The Willoughbys, Philippa Sue in Over the Moon, Octavia Spencer in Onward, and Ava Whitaker for Wolfwalkers. I real I'm really glad Wolfwalkers is like on this list so much, um, just because I feel like Cartoon Saloon needs so much love and they don't get enough of it. So I'm happy Wolfwalkers, and maybe it's just because of all of what's going on in 2020 is uh helping it i'm i'm really hoping that um that it's streaming on apple tv plus gives it more of a signal boost yeah and i hope and people you have to watch it on disney i mean apple plus seriously don't pirate it don't torrent it watch it on the service the service is only 4.99 just use up a free week and just watch it like seriously sorry uh and uh in the best superhero movie category we have superman man of tomorrow Ooh, yeah um and let's see here uh 
best science fiction, nothing there. Uh, best animated series, we have Archer, BoJack Horseman, Big Mouth, Central Park, Harley Quinn, Rick and Morty, and Star Trek Lower Decks. So uh, where the hell is Kipo in the Age of Wonder Beast and close enough? <laughs> Seriously, guys. Really? You put Star Trek Lower Decks on there and not Kipo or Close Enough or like the Fungies? There are way better shows like there. Like, come on. Like, BoJack doesn't need another nomination. But I understand that because it ended this year, they're going to give it a nomination. And Big Mouth, I'm a little surprised there since it's coming out on December 4th, the new season, I mean. And uh, I don't know. It, it, it's annoying. And But this is what happens when HBO and Netflix, you don't advertise your work. Do it. Seriously. Uh, anyway, best voice actor in an animated series. We have Will Arnett for BoJack Horseman, H. John Benjamin and Archer, Nick Kroll for Big Mouth, John Mulaney in Big Mouth. Jack Quaid in Star Trek Lower Decks, Justin Roiland for Rick and Morty, J.B. Smooth for Harley Quinn. I like that nomination, honestly, because J.B. Smooth is a great part of uh, Harley Quinn. If if Billy Porter wasn't already cast as um, as Audrey 2 in the Little Shop of Horrors re- remake, I I would have I would have wanted J.B. Smooth in that role. Ah, uh, seriously, and that that sounds like a great casting for the remake because Billy Porter is amazing. Uh, best voice actress in an animated series. We have Kaylee Cuco, uh, Cuso for Harley Quinn. Tawny Newsom for Star Trek Lower Decks. Again with that show. Maya Rudolph for Big Mouth. Amy Sedaris for BoJack Horseman. Aisha Tyler for Archer. And Jessica Walter for Archer. Uh, let's see. And that is it for uh, animated stuff. Uh, overall, I'm pretty happy with the nominees. Of course, I didn't make it subtle that I wish some of them were not nominated, but whatever. I don't control what the critics choice awards chooses. <laughs> I I'm, I'm usually a bigger fan of the critics choice than, than most other award shows. But in terms of animation this year, my eyes are, my eyes are laser focused on the Annie's uh, for this year. Yeah. That's where I'm going to see. I, I'm going to be really curious to see how, that one goes um so the gorillas the indie pop sensation um is getting a netflix movie and i think this is on top of them getting a another tv series but this is also coming off of the uh recent release of their song machine season one uh cd which i listened to a few of those tunes tonight and it's great i mean i love gorillas so i'm a huge fan uh any uh thoughts about this announcement that we might we're getting a gorillas movie um my only question is how come it's taken so long like the the gorillas have been around for at least 20 years yeah since like like, yeah the 90s or early 2000s um um 98 so yeah like 22 years yeah you you'd think they'd have more um like, like more uh, auxiliary media out, outside of um, like outside, music. Yeah, outside of like the um, music videos. Yeah, and they, I mean, you, there are some t- like 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 multimedia things, like when uh, they put out the Now Now, which was like two years ago or so, which is a fantastic CD. Uh, they had Ace from the Gang Green Gang from Powerpuff Girls there. 
because of some in-story universe reason. And then uh, Noodle was uh, did some kind of promoting for like a uh, like a sports car company. And I guess my only question is, how do you make a movie about the gorillas? They have their own weird, confusing, complicated internal universe. And I don't know what exactly you could do unless you do like an interstellar 555 or whatever that adaptation of the Daft Punk Discovery album was. Or you, or you, yeah, or probably a a good idea, or like a Fantasia kind of thing, and because that's that was a big thing about the Gorillas. It's an like it's an animated band, and it's a really weird one at that. So, um, yeah, I'm curious to see how this goes. Um, so another animated movie is coming out called Fireheart, uh, set in the New York in the Roaring Twenties tells the story of a young girl aspiring to be the world's first female firefighter who, refusing to let others define her, heroically fights for her dream. Kenneth Branagh and Olivia Cook have joined the cast alongside Laurie Holdman, Holden and William Shatner. Um, and it's going to be produced by Maine Journey, who worked on Leap, Anton, um, Anton, who worked on like Paddington and his Dark Materials, and Caramel Films, um, with a completion next year. That's kind of interesting. You don't see a lot of firefighter like media there. And I don't know if it's because it turns into a little propagandistic, I guess. But um, I know that one firefighter film with what, who miles teller and uh, what well, uh, Kurt Russell was popular a few years ago. Oh, um, only the brave. Yeah. Only the brave. And I know there's like a super popular Chinese firefighter film also. Uh, I just want to add this in because I just think it's kind of an interesting announcement and uh, I hope it's good. Well, we'll have to see. Um, the Los Angeles animation festival has launched a animation label called, well, laugh <laughs> because L A A F. And they're basically doing what G kids does. They're going to bring over foreign animated films. They will be bringing over The Last Fiction, which was the first Iran-made um, Iran animated film to be submitted to the Oscars last year. And I have a trouble pr- uh, pronouncing this, even though I've seen it. Uh, I saw this next film last year at Animation is Film called She, but it has like a capital S, H, and then a lowercase e, which is a Chinese stop motion film uh, that's all like done in, like a world made of shoes and such um this is big to me because i'm working on an editorial talking about this that as much as i love g kids and i just want them to bring over everything they're not going to be able to get everything and the fact that it takes like months for an announcement of a purchase or or like getting the rights to a movie there needs to be other competition because 11 arts is kind of doing their own thing with bringing over anime films but they're kind of picking random ones like they're kind of bring over a new one that's based off off of a tv show uh that's coming out i think next year and like shout factory kind of not gave up but they kind of like stopped bringing them over and there are so many animated films from overseas that i really want to see and i want to support legally i don't want to find them on like a uh, website or something that I'll torrent or illegally watch from. And yeah, that I mean, that's just how I feel. Uh, any thoughts? Um, yeah, we, we need more 
more companies like GKids or or Laugh to pretty pretty much pick up the slack because you know um, Hollywood is is one market. There there are film there are films made all over the world, and we can't just rely on like the same two or three distributors to to buy up like everything. Yeah, it's like I'm still waiting for G Kids or someone to bring over Calamity. So, or and, or, the, or the nose, or or the nose. Like, there there's a lot of great stuff, and I don't even care if I end up not liking the movie. I just want to be able to see it and support it with my own like opinion and whatnot. So yeah, so we'll be tackling the last fiction and she along with Kill It and Leave Town and Bombay Rose next on the next episode in a few weeks. Um, so there's that. Now uh, we have two more news announcements, but this one, this next one is more of a supposed suggested rumor kind of thing right now. Recently, the uh, writer and producer uh, Marley uh, Hap- Halpern Grazer, who worked on like Thundercats Roar, Aquaman King of Atlantis, Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and co-created Right Now Kapow basically hinted at twitter when they're um that thundercats roar may have been canceled not officially canceled but all the episodes have been made and yeah so and there's no real fate or idea of what's going to happen with uh thundercats roar which if a lot of people remember it was shown off two years ago went for trailer got instantly hated on because of course that's what stupid fanboys do they hate on anything that's different or new or not made for them um it got delayed by a year and then was released uh this year and it really just nobody paid attention to it it kind of went under the radar and yeah so uh any thoughts uh, eventually i will give this show a chance but like the fact that it's getting canceled should surprise literally nobody. I hate to say it, but I think fans of the franchise and Warner brothers kind of overestimate how popular Thundercats as a franchise is the original show that was made in the eighties is not all that great. It's nostalgic because it was one of the few shows to beat uh, to the, to the finish line, the show first and then a toy line came later, but it was also just not a great show. Like, for example, there was an absurd episode where Lionel needed to get this one thing, but he had to arm wrestle a caveman to get it. And it's like, I. And then there's of course that infamous video that went online with the uh, blooper outtakes where all the voice actors were like staying in character, but then they're just like, "What the heck does this even mean?" So, <laughs> it's like. I don't know. I, I just don't think the original Thundercats is a show worth dying on a hill on. And I know a lot of people kind of call, like called me to action and say, well, what about the 2011 show? The 2011 show is better, but on top of other shenanigans that went on behind the scenes and maybe coming out at the wrong place at the wrong time where animation action cartoons were just dying left and right back in 2010 and 2011, nobody watched the show. So you say it's good now, but you weren't there to support it back then. And it ended on a really sour note for me because it's like, there was this underlying like romantic triangle happening between 
Lion-O, Chitara, and Tigra. And it was just not the most interesting thing. But there were like a few good episodes. And the animation was great. But it was also like a show that I was trying to be Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, yeah. Back, back when back, back when animation was less less subtle about trying to capture that magic. Yeah. And not to say like, I mean, I would love if they made a second season just to not end it on such a bad note, especially with Panthro losing both of his arms uh, in the final episode of the 2011 show. And no offense, but I think a lot of people who hate Thundercats Roar don't have never actually watched it. And big shock, a bunch of trolls, uh, prejudge a show before it aired and then don't watch it but hate on it anyway because that's what they do like I, it's a fine show the Thundercats Roar is okay it's nothing amazing it's nothing outstanding but it had some pretty great animation put into it it's very stylized and like bombastic it's really cool looking but it's also really frantic and hyperactive and it doesn't really as far as I've been watching it, it doesn't really know what kind of tone it wants to go for. Mostly comedic, but uh, I don't know. It's like, it's it's such a harmless show, but everyone is just like, like, it was just like, man, this show should have died because it was not made for me, man. Like, I, I hate those people. I, I hate them so much. Not everything is made for you or supposed to be made for you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's it, it's okay. I agree with I agree with a lot of that in terms of animation fans who can be to like to put it lightly entitled. Like like the show was not made for you. It was made for like a slightly different audience. And so what if it was trying to maybe be like Teen Titans Go? That show fueled itself by hate watchers, and <laughs> you know that's why it's still around because people keep hating on it, but they keep watching it. Hate watching doesn't do anything. It doesn't solve anything. Plus, I think what killed Thundercats Roar more than anything was the fact that it got delayed by a year and, of course, the AT&T buyouts. Like, that thing is a looming death cloud over everything right now. And, like, even though there's, like, some talks right now that HBO Max might be saving Venture Brothers, it was still the fact that AT&T killed Venture Brothers. So for Adult Swim and the Trick Moon situation and Crunchyroll game bought out by Sony, um, who also owns Funimation, that buyout is going to be like just a looming plague on projects. It, like for as for whoever is working on them and whatever the fate is for some of those shows. But that's what we're going to talk about. It's not official that it got canceled, but we'll have to see. I wouldn't be shocked if it got moved to HBO Max. But let's talk about probably one of the more exciting announcements for next year. There's a new animated movie and a TV series coming out. The movie is called Arlo the Alligator Boy. And it's going to also have a series called I Love Arlo by Ryan Kriego, who worked on uh, Home Adventures with Tip and O. Uh, Puss in Boots and Shrek Forever After. The uh, animated series will have 20 11-minute episodes and the animation will be handled by Titmouse who worked on like Big Mouth and the Midnight Gospel and Metalocalypse. So the plot is upon learning that he is from New York City, a wide-eyed boy who is half human and half alligator, I'm not going to ask how that happened, uh, decides to leave his sheltered life in the swamp 
and search for his long-lost father. The movie, Arlo the Alligator Boy, will launch Arlo's journey as he meets a group of misfits who quickly become his new family. Once Arlo's adventures land him in New York City, the, the series I Love Arlo will kick off as he and his newfound crew set up shop in an abandoned seaside neighborhood and help bring it back to life. The, the voice cast includes uh, singer and American Idol contestant Michael J. Woodard. Uh, Woodard yeah. Uh, Grammy-nominated musician Mary Lambert. Um, Michael Flea Balzari of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. That, <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, yes. Annie, Annie Potts. Uh, Tony Hale, Brett Gilman, Jonathan Van Nees, Haley Zhu, Jennifer Coolidge, and uh, Vincent Rodriguez III. Ryan Kriego will serve as the executive producer and director of the movie and executive producer and showrunner for the series. Blake Lemons, um, who worked on like Sanjay and Craig, will serve as the supervising producer of the film and co-executive producer for the series. Original music from the film and series is created by Alex Garingas, who worked on Trolls and Home, with original songs by Krigo and uh, Garingas. This sounds like a great uh, film, and I love the art style that they show. But what really got me excited was the Instagram post by David De Pasquale, who posted a clip of a musical number from the film, and... It's on it, the full clip is on Instagram and it looks great. Just great visuals. The animation looks fantastic and the music sounded just fantastic. The, this show is definitely up my alley. I mean, I've been saying for a while that um, if, if you want good 2D, an, 2D animation, um, Net, Netflix pretty much ha, has you covered. Yeah. Uh, but, but also that yeah. this is a, but also that this is a, a musical film that's immediately followed by a series means more time we get to spend with these characters. Yeah. Um, what did you think about the clip? Um, I didn't get a chance to see, to see the whole thing, but of what, what I did see, I fell in love with instantly. Yeah. Oh, it looks great. It's definitely one of my most anticipated movies and shows for uh, next year. Cause we don't have a lot of them uh, or at least we don't know a lot of them right now. So We'll have to see. I, I, yeah, let's, man, like, I know Netflix makes a lot of baffling decisions, but we'll say it again. They are a bastion for animation right now. So yeah, we can't, I can't wait to see it. And that covers up all the news. Well, so, speaking yeah. of Netflix, I, I believe it's, it's time now to talk about one of the shows that I unfortunately um, was unable to catch. Uh, so let's start with that one. Let's start with blood of zeus all righty righty ruse so this is the new animated uh action adult series by uh, uh powerhouse animation studios the same studio behind castlevania and seis manos and it is created by charlie and vlas uh parla panides it is set in the world of greek mythology the series revolves around heron the demigod son of zeus voiced by Derek phillips trying to save olympus and earth and they you know, a, an evil demon guy wants to bring back the giants and that the uh, gods fought long ago and sealed away. And yeah, so it's a lot of action. It, it, it's powerhouse animation. So a lot of action, a lot of gore, a lot of drama. And I did watch the entire series. And unfortunately, I'm wondering if I'm just me and a few other people are wondering if we're just kind of not getting what the critical acclaim this show is getting because it has like 
and of course, take it as a grain of salt, a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes based on 19 uh, reviews. And because I don't think this show is very good. And a lot of that is because I don't think the story is as compelling and I just don't think the action is as good. And since we have stuff to compare it to, like the old Ray Harryhausen Greek mythology action adventure films like Clash of Titans or Clash of the Titans and uh, Jason and the Argonauts and the, the Sinbad films he worked on. And then, of course, the video game fran- uh, franchise God of War. Uh, there's just it's not very good, or at least I didn't find it to be as interesting. It's probably the most generic action show they've made. And that's just because we've seen the Greek mythology so many, like so much, you know, and th- there's just nothing new or interesting about it. But um, yeah, do you have, uh, what questions do you have for me about this? Because I'll be happy to answer any. Um, well, I'll, I'll start, I'll start with the, with the animation. Um, you know, this, this comes from the same, the same uh, guys that did Castle, Castlevania. So, on on a strictly technical level, would you like? Would you re- Would you recommend that I see this? And I I will event I will eventually see it. But how does it compare to something like Castlevania? I don't think it had like to be cl- like to be fair. This is one of their few uh, original projects alongside Seismanos, and it's basically on the same level. I don't think it has as like epic or grandiose imagery as Castlevania. It's more like a Seis Manos. It's a little more grounded, fun, which is kind of funny. But uh, I and it, but it, it's like it's more obvious that they're using like lower frames of animation or something because it's like it's a little more stilted. It's slightly clunky at points, but of course when they do go out, go all out with the animation, it looks great. And like I, I guess technical on a technical level, sure. Just don't, I mean, I guess just like uh, lower your expectations if you really love Sesmanos in Castlevania. That's fair. Like the, the, the giants look great. They look very monstrous and creepy looking. But then like you look at the demon guy who, spoilers, well, I, I, do you want to be spoiled by this or are you, would you rather me save this for like when you actually watch it? Uh, that's up to you. Uh, I won't say anything, even though it's kind of obvious about maybe like because you know it's greek mythology the demon guy is going to be obviously connected to the to heron or heron and yeah uh so like would you like to know a little bit about why i don't i don't think this story works yeah go for it because um my like the main reason why aside from just me me being busy i didn't get around to it is because at least when at least in terms of this year I've had my fill of of like over like overly melodramatic dark dark fantasy. Um, yeah. So I I was just not I was just not in the mood to be disappointed by another one. Yeah, it, it's it's the fact that it's another Greek mythology story where Athena is made the bad guy because because she's kind of had it with Zeus with his shenanigans. I mean, it's all of these Greek mythology stories could be solved if every single god and goddess just kept it in their toga. So I'm sorry, but that's like the whole thing with mytho- with the Greek mythology from what I keep read and remember from. It's that like, hey, I'm going to be a deer and then I'm going to go uh, f- 
fun, like grope and have some fun with a human man, man or woman or something in between. Um, and it, it's just like, like, I don't know. It, it's just like, it's a shame because Athena has always made the villain in these kind of stories or not Athena, maybe Hera. I'm yeah. Hera. Um, and it's just not interesting. And then it's like, then it's like some of the gods are like with Athena, with Hera and then some of them aren't. And then, uh, but, and I don't know. It, it's just like, it's so boilerplate in terms of a story and it's just it's just not interesting and then it's like the human designs are, are i think what also hold it back they're just not interesting they, they look very boilerplate generic they kind of look like something from that legend of hercules film from a few years ago that came, you know it was like that hercules film that came out the same year as the dwayne johnson hercules movie that came out oh yeah and it it, it looks like someone took characters from like one of the 300 movies and traced over them and they said this is what Ares looks like this is what Hades looks like and for a mythology that's about as horny as possible there is not a whole lot of LGBT representation even though that was like a huge thing men sleeping with men women sleeping with women men sleeping with both men and women and whatnot like it's very macho very straight-coated and like you see maybe Helios in bed for like a minute or like a second with a man and a woman, but that's about it. So, and I, you know, we, I don't know. It just seems like this was aimed at boys or it's like how manga entertainment aimed their anime and whatnot with like, we got a male market. So we got to curse and swear and bring over all this violent garbage over and it's just not interesting. And the fact that there's a season two in the talks makes me more disappointed that they do stuff like cancel uh, Bojack Horseman early or cancel Tuca and Birdie that got saved by Adult Swim. It's a lot. <laughs> you know, it's got, it's very frustrating. Yeah. And, and, the, and the fact that like Netflix never really shows their numbers means like, like we, we don't really know what, what makes a success and what doesn't. And it's like there there is an interesting theme within blood of zeus where um they um it's about how anger and power corrupts individuals and to be fair i do think the voice cast is pretty decent you got Derek phillips jason o'mara claudia christian elias tufet uh mommy goomer chris dm topolis which is interesting because now I can't help but think of Mickey Mouse being <laughs> <laughs> being voicing one of the gods. Uh, he voices Evios, uh, Jessica Henwick, Melina Kena Caredes, Matthew Mercer, um, Ade Tokumbo, M. Uh, Cormac, and Adam Crosdell. And to be fair, they do have a few Greek actors in the roles, which is nice, but it's also very British. It's it's pretty much like the Clash of the Titans situation where it's like look at all these british people portraying greeks (laughs) you know so it's just like i mean no i i I guess it must have been too much to ask to have jason manzoukas in here so uh because he's actually greek so uh probably would have made a more interesting series um but yeah i'm disappointed by it it's not the worst i'd rather watch it over crossing swords and hoops 
But in terms of comparing it to action shows, it falls short of any of the anime we've watched and Kipo in the Age of Wonder Beasts. Well, to be fair, nothing compares to Kipo. Yeah, no, Kipo is so good. Um, I know, why, why can't we just re-talk about the entire series again? <laughs> um, but yeah, if you want to watch it, go like if you're curious, go ahead and watch it. You may like it more than me, that's okay. Because we live in a world where difference of difference of opinions in terms of art happen. You don't need to be a jerk if you disagree with me or my co-host or anyone else on the website. <laughs> exactly. So watch it if you want. I it's pretty low on my list of the worst to best of this year, but it's like in the bottom of the okay category. Um, so I guess let's move on to the next show which is the peacock and hulu original which i don't know how that works um the mighty ones um yeah the mighty ones i'm trying to see if i can even find a synopsis but here i got it um so this is this new comedy show is made by uh, sunil hall and lynn, uh, lynn naylor the hilarious adventures of a group of creatures a twig a pebble a leaf and a strawberry who live in an unkempt backyard belonging to a trio of equally unkempt humans whom they mistake for gods. So um, you didn't fully finish this series, which there's not, don't worry about it. Um, What did you think about this show? I'll be completely honest. I, I just wasn't feeling it. Maybe it's just because I'm, I'm I'm just a little bit tired. Um, Wasn't really able to focus much, but like that, that also shouldn't be an excuse for, a series, especially a comedy from DreamWorks, not being able to fully grab my attention. Yeah, no, um, I thought this one was okay. Nothing great, but nothing terrible. I think I liked it a little more than you, but I was re-watching some of the episodes and then I was just kind of like, I really want to just watch rewatch Animaniacs right now. And that's unfortunate because it came out around the same time as the Animaniacs reboot. So, um... I, I guess like I'll, I'll start with some pros for one I kind of like the idea that the vibe is going for it's kind of like you and your friends hanging out in someone's backyard and making like small adventures with like whatever you find back there like I, I like that feeling of of it because it, it definitely reminds me of my childhood and like playing around in a backyard or going swimming or going to the front yard and jumping on a trampoline and just talking with my friends it it, cer- it certainly has a um a playful tone which which I can appreciate. Yeah, and I do like the voice cast um uh where we have Josh Brenner as Twig who we know as uh oh what's his character's name? He uh he's on DuckTales. He's the uh the Steve Jobs parody. Oh, yeah, he's um he's Mark Beeks. Yeah, he's Mark Beeks. Um and then we have uh, Alex Cazares, who's very Barry, the sadistic uh, Barry character, um, who I, I actually like her. She's kind of my favorite character in the show. Um, she was in stuff like Victor and Valentino, the Casa Grandes, uh, Boss Baby. Uh, she was in uh, Cleopatra in Space. She was that little alien with the sound translator around its neck. Oh, yeah. Igeki Igek, trying to say that five times fast and uh definitely like other uh stuff um and then we have uh just uh jessica mckenna who who was roxy 
who if you watched rise of the tmnt she was uh april o'neill in that incarnation um and and aqualad in dc superhero girls um and uh then we let's see we have and then we have uh, i think probably my favorite performance of the bunch uh jimmy tatro who plays leaf and he's also in uh like he he was in uh let's see 22 jump streets the uh neighbor films uh he's also in fast and furious spy racers so we'll have to get to that at some point um, oh yeah and i i kind of like the the macho kind of laid back bro vibe because you look at him and then you look at leaf and it's like okay that makes sense i can see that um uh two two other two other um voice actors who i'm a pretty big fan of um fred Tat, um Tatishore plays mr ladybug yeah and uh eric bauza is uh ben the stink bug yeah the, the voice cast is actually pretty solid stuff like uh fred Tatishore is also the rabbit um and uh the rabbit's uh cohort the frog is voiced by um oh gosh what's his name um let's see he was a uh, bill in king of the hill um steve roots uh steven roots um and it like it, it's a cute and um there's this uh caterpillar voiced by greg sipes who you would know as beast boy from teen titans um and, or like kevin 11 from the ben 10 franchise and while i i think it could have gone further with its absurd humor i did like some of the jokes like i i liked the one where they meet the greg sipes caterpillar and uh the and leaf obviously freaks out because duh caterpillars eat leaves but then the greg sipes caterpillar is like no man i used to eat leaves and then it would like smash cut to a like heavy rock sound and screaming went with a live action caterpillar eating a leaf (laughs) and then it would be like and he do that like three times where it's like i used to eat thousands of leaves and then it does that jump uh, smash cut again it's like yeah i just abolished thousands of them and it does that jump cut again and like throughout the whole episode, Leaf accidentally keeps like instigating uh, the caterpillar. Like the caterpillar doesn't want to eat him, but you know, nature. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there are some funny moments, like in the first episode where uh, Wildberry kind of gets disappointed that they're just playing a game in the first episode segment instead of getting turned to mulch. <laughs> she walks away, she's like, oh, why are you wasting my time then? <laughs> so it's like there, there's like little bits and pieces and like twig can be very funny at points but i don't know i think there's just something missing with this show i don't know if it just needed a little more spice and i mean it, no it's not fair to compare it to other shows but when you come out at the end of 2020 and there's like plenty of competition to compare it to it's it's hard not to but i don't know i mean like do you agree that I think that, that like, do you think there is something missing or like what, like what didn't really grab you about the show? Um, it's hard. It's hard to really put into words. Um, I, I guess I, I, I think, I think maybe just the core premise seems a little bit too, a little bit too out there. Um, like at, at least, at least a show like the fungies um, is, is more, it's, it's a little bit more focused, even, even though that is also a, that that show is also absurdist, but it it's it's root it's rooted in like a like a very specific sort of like like that has a more specific throwback to like shows like the Smurfs or or the yeah Smurfs. yeah um this this kind of feel feels like one of those like 
early 2000s Nickelodeon shows that would probably last like a season or two and then get canceled. Oh, that, <laughs> that's unfortunate. But yeah, I, I understand. It's kind of it's kind of like those uh, shows that came out also like during the time of Adventure Time where they were just kind of throwing everything at the wall to get a new generation of cartoons uh, made. And it's it's not like there like there are some funny moments again with like a like there's all this epic stuff going on with the mighty ones, but then you zoom out to like the perspective from the humans, and it's just like like there's like a fire like a blazing fire in the garden, but then it's like this tiny little flame from the perspective of the humans, or like when the caterpillar twig and leaf are stuck in a jar, and <laughs> like the the caterpillar and leaf are fighting. And then from the human's perspectives, it's just like the caterpillar slowly going to the uh, the leaf. And, and then they're just kind of like, this is kind of boring. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> I, Which, I will say by um, one of my favorite episodes so far is the um, the eternal day with the, uh, uh, <laughs> where um, uh, like the, like the teenagers put up these, like these like sun, um, sun lamps to, I guess, uh, prevent their uh, their grill from being stolen, and yet um, Ro- Roxy kind of turns into this like um, kind of like this like Conan slash um, oh yeah the, yeah with the cool comic book art style change and whatnot yeah yeah there's there's little bits and pieces of that and I kind of like at points I, and maybe it's just because I was bored with the characters I kind of wanted to know what the humans were like because they're not very interesting like. And I guess that's the point. They're just normal humans, but they're also like a hex girl style rock group. And it's kind of a weird sign that I want to follow the humans in a, in a cartoon more than the cartoon characters. <laughs> yeah. I, and I think that's kind of the problem too. Like we, we don't, we don't see enough of them for like, for the humans to matter yet. Um, yet because like the intro is so short, it, it feels like they have more importance, I guess. I actually like the opening theme song. Oh, the, oh the like the opening itself is is great. Yeah, and uh, but yeah, it, they they really don't have that much importance to the overall story. And I don't know if this is going to have a second season. They haven't really talked about it, or this could be one of those weird DreamWorks release strategies where uh, they're like, we'll get a second season like two months from now, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, and. I guess this is my question. Why is this on two different streaming services? Like uh, that's actually I, a good question. I I imagine there's there's some sort of deal that that Peacock and and Hulu made because the other two series that they share are the uh, like that Madagascar um, prequel. Yeah. And um and Trolls uh, Trolltopia. Yeah, I I guess that is and. I, I just don't want to assume that it's like maybe Peacock is not going to last much longer <laughs> because I'm, I guess to me, if I've been, if I was comparing streaming services, Peacock is just not as impressive with its original content. I, I like, I, I'm just kind of okay on Cleopatra in space, but that's about it. Uh, a little bit of breaking news, but there, there were six episodes that were released um, on Peacock, uh, over the weekend so we we can we can cover that um during a, a catch-up episode yeah I'll, I'll i'll be down for that because i'm cleopatra in space is a little more interesting than the mighty ones Agreed. And, no i i'm disappointed i'm sorry that it's 
it sounds like we're kind of negative. I, I'll say this though: I'd rather watch this than Tig and Seek, and I'd rather watch rather watch this. Well, maybe it's on the same level of Tig and Seek. I don't, I have to kind of think about it. Um, I, I I don't know. It's not it's not the worst. It's just kind of in the middle. Nothing super impressive. Uh, I wish it kind of went a little more if it's absurd humor or premise or played more with the whole human uh, and then critter perspective. Maybe the fact that this is that this is geared toward um, towards a younger audience kind of holds the humor back. I like because I think this might have benefited from a more like an edgier style humor. I, I guess it's like I like I can think of like other cartoons aimed at like a younger audience like uh buddy thunderstruck is super fast with its humor but it also has like a great rhythm to that humor that is kind of snide and snarky but it's also kind of like it's like consistently funny and um and it's not it doesn't feel too fast like to be like oh okay i can't keep up with all these jokes um yeah but it's also like super absurd um but yeah i guess like yeah i think the younger audience does hold it back a little, but um, yeah, I mean, if you, if you want to watch it, go ahead. There's, I can think of weaker shows to binge right now as we continue through this pandemic. Um, but yeah, give, give it a watch if you want. I don't know if it'll get a second season. We'll see. But now we, we have to uh, adjust tone, like a tone change because we're going to be talking about the liberator. <laughs> yep. Uh, so the Liberator is a um, an animated uh, war war drama miniseries created by Jeb Stewart and based on the novel um, The Liberator: One World War II Soldier's Five Hundred Day Odyssey by Alex Kershaw, and it fo- it follows the story like it follows the story of Felix Sparks who started started um, command commanding the 157th Infantry Regiment, and then worked his way up to uh, Brigadier General. And what's fascinating about this show is that it's it's the first production from, uh, what are they called? Um, tri- uh, trio- Trioscope uh, Studios. Mm-hmm. So basically basically their technique is, is combining like rotoscoped um, live action actors with, with CGI animation and um, I'll, I'll be honest, like World, World War II has been covered a lot in media. So any, any sort of gimmick to, um, any sort of gimmick that, that you can use to um, elevate, yeah, to find a new way to tell like a familiar story is like, you, you can't go wrong. Yeah, I, I mean, I know a lot of people kind of dunk on rotoscope animation, not like I don't understand why, but I liked the comic book graphic novel look to the overall uh, show or the miniseries. It gave it a a a different look to like, it's not trying to be like the Robert Zemeckis motion capture films or anything like that. It's able to um stand on its own um in terms of a visual look i like it but i guess to me i don't know maybe it's just because i was having a hard time paying attention and just because of how many characters there are i kind of had a hard time following the story at points i I mean maybe i'm just dumb (laughs) well 
to, to be fair, they, they don't make it easy. Um, I it, like, um, it, it seems like they're, fo- they're, they're following a, a couple different, um, point points in history. And if, if you, if you're not paying attention, then you may miss like whether, whether this takes place like two years earlier, two years later, but other, other than like one or two moments where I might've gotten lost, um, as, as long as it was focusing on, on Sparks and his journey, um, I, w- I was able to follow the narrative okay. Yeah, and it's not like there wasn't a good story. I mean, like, I give Felix Sparks kudos for getting hit with shrapnel and then being like, no, I'm not going back home. I want to keep fighting. Um, and making his way up there, even going up to the point of having multiple charges against him by the end of the story and then basically getting out of it scot-free. <laughs> I mean, maybe not fully scot-free, but still. Uh, and I liked different story beats. Like I liked that there was a, uh, a literal father and son duo. And I liked their chemistry because it was kind of interesting to hear the dad be like, my wife wouldn't approve of this, but she's not around anymore. And I don't want my son, I hear about my son from a letter. So I'm going to be here with him. Yeah, I, I, I really like that dynamic as well. And to uh, the, the show's credits, uh, the story does involve a lot of uh, Mexican-Americans and Native American soldiers. And they do get like Hispanic actors and Native American actors for those roles. They don't try to whitewash or anything like, you know, with the motion capture and the acting and whatnot. Um which is which is great because you know that could easily happen and that's happened before where it's like we need a na- Native American in this 1970s horror film. Oh well, uh, how about this Italian guy who can play a Native American? It's like, uh, okay, I, I guess okay. <laughs> <laughs> what what one of the, one of the um like w- like one of the good things about this animation technique is like you're kind of forced to to cast like the authentic um ethnicities for for these actors yeah and um i did like some some of them like uh samuel coldfoot and abel gomez but maybe it's just because sometimes the art style kind of made all the white guys look the same i i had a hard time following who was still alive and who was not it's like they kind of introduce you to like 12 characters at once and then kill off a chunk of them and then introduce a new batch of characters, kill them off and then introduce another batch. <laughs> but uh, that's just me. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's like, like I said, I had a hard time kind of following who was who and who was still around. This is one of the reasons why I watched everything now with subtitles, because that, that helps to some extent um, at the very least determining who is who. Yeah. I mean, like I could kind of tell, but it's like, it's, uh, it was also kind of like, well, this guy's a little more heavier set than this guy, and this guy, Native Americans, obviously taller and whatnot, and and maybe it's just me. I think Felix Sparks isn't the most interesting character. Like, I think his his uh, story is more interesting than himself. Like, if that makes sense. No, I I that sounds about right. Because I kind of wanted to hear more from like the Mexican soldier and Native American soldiers because they're. Because this was, you know, the 1940s, and you could say that it keeps going on today. Racism was alive and well back then. So there's going to be a lot of uh, quote-unquote colorful language um, uh, used. 
so just expect that and um what did you think about like how scene battles were shot and like the cinematography because this was you know like this is shortly after the whole uh 1917 and uh ridge come have come out and i know 1917 is a wildly different war but to me i think some scenes were pretty great were pretty good but then some scenes were kind of lacking and i think that was probably because of the motion capture technology that or it's just someone like someone wasn't thinking like can we make this more dynamic it was just very like the camera was very still that i i think that i think that is a fair a fair critique but i'll say that when um when it works it really it really works and i think i think that's one of the reasons why they decided to um to like to really push the like the trioscope technology as opposed to let okay let me ask you this if if this was a live action miniseries would you have been as invested as, as you were um with with the way this is this is uh presented I think I might have, but I've also probably would have been more invested if they didn't have so much, so many, uh, to use a Star Trek term, red shirts. Because I was just kind of, when I was watching this, I was thinking back to like Saving Private Ryan and how I could remember everyone uh, on Tom Hanks's crew, like even like the late coming ones of like of Matt Damon and his two soldiers, uh, friends. Or it's like how I remember the individual characters from stuff for like 1917. I, I guess to me, I just, I, I would have needed, I guess maybe a little more invested, but I don't know. I, I, I it kind of depends on a few things and that's, that's out of my control since I had nothing to do with making this show. <laughs> plus we, plus um, we, we don't really know how, how accurate this is to the source material. Like for, for all we know, like you couldn't just remove half, half of these characters unless you were only telling like, I don't know, part of the whole story. I mean, it's not like I don't remember nothing about the, sh- the miniseries because I really, like, I jumped a little during that one sequence where they they dug, like, these big ditches and uh, there's that one guy standing above the ditches saying, like, man, I, I'm, I'm hearing, like, shots go off. And then, like, there's that, like, hellstorm of, like, cannon fodder that, like, landed and such. And then it's just, like, it was like, oh, geez. And then it reminded me of like the, the beach scene from uh, Saving Private Ryan, where, you know, it's just like everything hit the fan at once. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, then the scene when they're up in the snowy mountains and they're pinned down by the uh, Nazi soldiers. And uh, and I was invested in that. And that, like, I loved seeing the father and son realize that there's a sniper in the tree. And. And then, like the whole sequence in the town in the fourth episode, where they have to quickly go through and take down a sniper that's hiding in there among like civilians that were forced into the building, so they wouldn't bomb the buildings because they could have easily just carpet bombed that town. But they found out that like the uh, the enemy army was using humans as like a like a meat shield, basically. It's like because you know. Wouldn't look really good on us if we uh, carpet bombed a town and killed a bunch of civilians. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> and I, I guess like my problem with trying to follow like who was still around is kind of uh, n- known, like made like n- made itself known when uh, in the first episode where they uh, are talking to that 
either Italian boy or German boy. Uh, no, Italian, I think. And uh, Felix kind of does like a rousing speech for everyone and kind of says like, these guys were part of the Mexican army, like ancestors of the Mexican soldiers that held off uh, like the enemies at the Alamo and whatnot. And at first I was like, oh man, these are our characters we're going to be following. And then it's like, okay, I lost half of them. Are, are like, are they still around? <laughs> and there are definitely like some scary moment, like are just kind of like gut wrenching moments. Like when they get to the, to a abandoned Nazi prison camp. And they open up the train and it's full of dead bodies. And then they find a yeah, prisoner. That, that that scene got to me. Yeah. That scene, stuff like that is never easy. <laughs> like there's no matter what, like what I say about that, there are some very effective scenes and moments in this one. And like, I like the scene where Felix stops uh, either cold. Like, I think Coldfoot uh, from going into a bar and killing an admiral who was giving him races like bs to deal with and it's just like because uh samuel coldfoot was denied a promotion because you know racism Mm -hmm. and then it was like because i was denied being an admiral and then felix is like well now you're now you are one so let's get back to the base and or i like that scene where they deal with that drill sergeant where he got got the tar kicked out of him and then (laughs) then they treated like like, well, congratulations to all your promotions. I'm sorry, Joel Sargent, for your accident. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like I like the I like this one. I don't know if I'd rate it super high, but I, I don't know. I found it like overall, I found it a very good series that I just think had some story problems. Um ba- basically my my recommendation is a very simple um should you watch the series? Uh, the answer is yes. Um, I, I, I think this might, you know, barring a few, a few F-bombs, um, I, I think this is one that should be shown in, like, in classrooms. If you, if you want, if you want, like, a, a nice straightforward, uh, telling of, of, like, the, like, these, uh, like, these heroes in World War II. yeah. No, um, I agree. I definitely recommend it if you want to look at some World War II stuff. I mean, it doesn't have anything that uh, is on the level of that that running sequence in 1917 at the end. You know, where the where the where the main character is just rushing across the beach as everyone is charging. But I do think it has a good story, and I think or a good enough story to follow. And I wish that some of the characters were a little more fleshed out. But in general. There are, and there is definitely there is a scene in the fourth episode of someone getting hanged. So warning about that because you know that stuff is also very hard to watch. Um, but yeah, if you're interested, watch it. It's pretty solid. But it's time for Animaniacs. <laughs> so let's get started. You uh, start us off, Mike. Okay. So this is the 22 year later revival of the warner brothers and their warner sister and in the very first episode you see the clip that they showed at near comic-con with uh with spielberg and the cast of jurassic park witnessing the 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 revival of (laughs) of yakko wacko and dot and i love how that i love how that is like the first thing that we see 
Yeah. Um, fun fact, uh, they do not get Spielberg or the, any of the cast back for this, but uh, so Andy Milder play, uh, voices the Steven Spielberg uh, cameo. Um, Ellie Sad- Sadler is voiced by Abby Trot. Alan Grant is voiced by Keith Ferguson. And uh, Ian Malcolm is voiced by Maurice Lamar. And the uh, Hulu lawyer is voiced by Rob Paulson. <laughs> I love and those it. are those are great impert like we said this back when we talked about the clip those are really good impressions like I, like we said we kind of talked about like is that spielberg or is that not him <laughs> when when you have to ask that's when you know that that those actors did a good job yeah but and, but, uh, but enough yeah. but <laughs> enough about that yeah. let's let's talk about um the Let's talk about the rest of that episode first, and then we'll talk about the rest of the series. Yeah, there's definitely a few topics I want to go over. Like, not debate topics, but uh, or I guess debate topics. But yeah, let's start with the first episode. So they've returned, and they've used their first lines very well. <laughs> pointing, even pointing out how the first line is very important. Of course, Doc gets the best line. 22 years, and I'm still a knockout. And uh, we do see some returning characters like Ralph the guard, who, of course, Frank Walker uh, reprises his role as. But we are also introduced to a new head of Warner Brothers, Nora Rita Norita, voiced by Stephanie S. Cajeda. And then, of course, they do a great musical number about catching up of what happened since then, which I thought that was that like that's the first song you hear and it's a great musical number. Mm-hmm. And I love, and I love the whole meta joke of like, like when they, of course they get to the president Trump thing. And I, I think that's a great little joke that they do with him. And he's like, well, I don't know what happened. Like, I don't even know if we still have Trump by now, this is being writ- written back in 2018. So, so they just take wild guesses. One, one of, one of the guesses is shockingly accurate. Um, it's, it's just a moment where they're all, they're all indoors, um, with masks on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A, a certain climate, uh, climate disaster happens. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think for our first section, that was very good. I mean, granted, and we'll talk a little bit more about this with the new characters, uh, Nora Rita Norita doesn't leave too much of an impression, uh, but what do you think? Because she's like the first of the new cast of characters that we meet. Um, I think I think she's okay. We don't really see her enough compared to um, to plots from the original series. And yeah. I th- I think I think they imply that um, that he's either retired or passed or passed away in universe. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's been twenty two years, so uh, lot a lot changes. Though, That's I guess, true. Though. Pinky and the Brain in their like so the fir- the episodes are set up with mostly a anime a Warner siblings segment a Pinky and the Brain segment and then a short segment and Pinky and the Brain are still alive and well after twenty two years but then again being lab rats may have just mutated them <laughs> and I like I thought that was a pretty good first uh, episode of the of brain invent like taking decades to invent the internet to uh basically like rule everybody with like because everyone is like loves looking at their phones or watching tv and watching cute animal videos 
Mm-hmm. And I do love the little jab that they take at Seth Meyers. <laughs> let, let me ask you, um, do, you th- do you think that was Seth Meyers? Um, because if it wasn't, that is one of the best impressions I've, I think I've heard of anyone uh, make. Um, I pulled up the voice cast. Uh, it was not, it was a guy named Brendan Hunt who did his impersonation. Again, but, spot on. <laughs> I know that's, that's one of the best things about this show. They have so many good impressions of everyone. And uh, like, of course, like I love like the, the uh, Bob Saget America's funniest home videos parody character, Fred Bagel. <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, later on, we'll see a, uh, a Tucker Carlson parody. <laughs> uh who i think it was like buck tuckerson <laughs> yeah <laughs> which actually that's one of the best segments but we'll get to that and then uh a lot of people got mad at the the third set segment in the new episode because it had a well first of all it has a musical number that makes fun of reboots in general but of course it also piles on the fact that they are also a reboot mm-hmm. but it's also a super catchy song i was humming at work today the reboot it renew it reshoot it reuse it abuse it <laughs> lines like the music is so good in this show yep well that's what happens when you have uh randy rogel returning as well because like the music's a big part of the show and um i'm so like glad that the music is still top notch it really this reincarnation or reboot feels just like an additional season like it's just like a new season it, do- it does but we will we will get into some negatives um, in a moment. Um, I just have a few more things to say about about this first episode. Um, yeah, uh, just just like the like the absurdity of Pinky and the Brain's plots to take over the world, um, and just the fact that they they have spent this whole time away, like um, plotting, like plotting and planning. Um, it's it's a it's implied that they that they created the internet they created uh they created like people's like dependency on uh on social media yeah no that that was very funny i like i mean i think like from what i remember pinky in the brain had some of the smarter satirical element like writing of the show while the animaniacs and everyone else had mostly uh more comedy looney tune style antics like if you wanted to see like the satire, you go to Pinky and the Brain. But that's from what I remember. You probably know more about that than me since you've uh, rewatched the old show recently. I haven't. I haven't actually like rewatched that much of Pinky and the Brain. But I I will agree that those segments were were definitely more um, like they, they were. They definitely leaned more on the intellectual um, satire as opposed to the like slapstick um like the slapstick of the warners and some of the other sketches yeah um but uh yeah what else do you have to say about the first episode anything else uh i mean just the fact that they had the balls to to <laughs> to reference uh to reference ducktales which is like one of the best modern cartoon reboots and and also like like they spend a lot of a lot of these episodes like um making making fun of uh of justice league yeah uh, we'll get to that we'll get to those jabs um in a moment but uh one of my favorite moments of the rebooted song was the uh 
take something foreign and adapt it and uh, basically ruin it. And I oh, showed... wait, wait. yeah, I, I want to mention that they yeah. uh, they showed dot like literally whitewashing a fence. <laughs> I just realized how funny that was. Like that's the the joke. And then they show a picture, a poster of Old Boy from the Old Boy remake that had a. Oh, Josh Brolin. Who, yeah, Josh Brolin, and it was awful. And it was like because the 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 original movie is amazing. Um, and I I do love like, like granted yes this came out a little late because some of the reboots have died <laughs> again, but I do love I, I it's still a catchy song though, and it, it's still the point is that Hollywood will go the easier route to instead of trying to inv- and risk and invest into something new, they'd rather keep regurgitating um, everything that's been familiar in, in the past has worked for them. So I, this is one of the point topic points. Like, do you think the show is a little too self-aware about its own cynical existence in a way? Like mm. not, well, it's not cynical, but it's like, they keep referencing the fact that they know they're in a reboot and they got a lot of, and the only reason there is a reboot is they got a lot of money. <laughs> like like the whole song ends like yeah we know we're rebooting but we but at least we know about it and that's cool <laughs> um, they, they do it to, in style <laughs> uh to answer your question i will i will address the elephant in the room that none of the original writers outside of outside of randy rogel who who came back to write new original songs but um like tom ruger sherry stoner Paul Rugg, no, like none none of the original writers were asked to to return to this front to this reboot. So that that like that like their their um their absence is is felt in the writing. Um, it's I that's probably one of the reasons why most, if not all, of the original supporting cast was was scrapped, save save for episode five, which we'll get to in a minute. Yeah. Um. But I, th- I think the absence of the original writers is kind of why the writing in the reboot feels a little bit more um, on the nose in terms of its like uh, its meta humor. But at the same time, like I, I think I think the people that they have um, on staff ha- like are just really naturally funny. Um, like e- like even even the opening which they which they updated uh, does a great job at like <laughs> at like um t- like taking jabs at you know it's it's 2020 so the world is obviously different so this this cat this cast is um like they like they joke about how the cast is like approved by focus groups they're um what is it like pro, uh, pronoun neutral um yeah yeah and ethically uh, diverse di- yeah and uh yeah no like I guess like the question is like, do you think the meta humor of it all and of the show's existence, like, do you think because some people have responded to it like very well, they they think it's very funny, but some think it's also like maybe a little too like uh, on the nose, I guess. I think, like, I think it might be a like, I think it might just go like one degree, like one degree too far. But um, but the only the only reason why that is like such a um, noticeable. Uh, complaint is because these episodes feel um like they, they feel a bit more uh fluffier with like without without some of the other sketches 
Yeah, let's talk about the other elephant in the room. So like you said, they don't bring back, or um, I guess we've mentioned this, I forgot. They don't bring back a lot of the main uh, cast from the previous incarnation of the show. So they don't have Slappy Squirrel, and they don't have like the, the good feathers and and or like the hip hippos and whatnot. And the so and the episodes are basically a Warner segment, like it, like we said, a Warner segment, a Pinky in the Brain, and then a shorter segment. And yeah, I think the stretch of these segments could have been tighter because that's what that's what was so fun about Animaniacs and why the I think the jokes maybe punched harder back then a little at some points because they didn't have a lot of time so they knew they had to make the jokes hit and they don't introduce a whole lot of the new cast or at least as of yet so like two of the only new cast members that we've seen uh more than once are nora rita norita and then the uh oh what's his name uh the the buff guy oh um like neat needs uh uh yeah let's see like neat, like Neil Needfist or something like that. Um, I, I guess you could say that that's a problem right there when we're having a pro- trouble remembering what his name is. But I'm just trying to find his uh, voice actor. Um, let's see. Um, but let, let's keep talking. So they don't introduce a lot of the new cast. I mean, we do see this one rapper character that they uh, uh, introduce, but I don't think he's like. He, he's like a t-pain kind of character um but i don't think he's as about i don't know uh like i i guess it's like what do you think about like the fact that they don't really have a lot of the the cast in the show like um i like like i said before it 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 feels the the show feels lighter without them and also kind of, it also kind of feels a little bit more formulaic like you know, you know you're gonna get the Warners followed by Pinking the Brain, followed by a shorter segment. Um, like I, I think they, they could have done a little bit more experimentation. And it's a, and to be fair, it's not it's not like they don't. Um, they've they've played around with like three different standalone shorts. One of them, I really love, uh, is called Masterpiece Theater. Oh, that's a and, funny one. And it, it's 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 like a dramatic reading of of that classic math problem. You know, um, Nancy has five apples. She she loses two. How many does she have left? Yeah, <laughs> but, but they but they turn it into like this uh this like this like epic uh dr- like dramatic uh um story of like a mo- like a mother desperately running from the law to feed her to feed her children. Oh gosh, yeah, and then they they say like next time on Masterpiece Theater, and it's like the train leaves at the <laughs> leaves at the station. It's like Evan, help us! <laughs> like I I wish they kind of at like they don't have that many more like new sketch uh, sketches, which was kind of disappointing to me. Like I loved my favorite one was the uh, the gnome the gnome inside of people's mouths oh yeah the incredible gnome in people's mouths which is uh a, like a weird parody of the hulk but instead of like hulking out it turns into a garden gnome and uh and uh <laughs> i just thought that was really funny um 
and um, it, it, well, yeah. it helps that uh, John DiMaggio plays the gnome. And he which, which, is, which is great casting. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, other, the other standalone is um, from the previous episode. Um, actually, there's two, there's two more, but one that I want to talk about is um, Starbucks and, C- and Cindy, which I can only imagine is one of the more last minute segments because um, really what, what, the sh- what the short is, is like, I, I'm, only, I'm only assuming this, Yes. Um, like one of the animators took um, took a recording of their daughter of their daughter just like spouting out like childish nonsense and then just animating over it. Yeah, I think yeah, that's exactly what it feels like. It feels very improv improvised. Like they just recorded someone's daughter saying all these things and then uh, animated around it. And made kind of like a small little plot. It's basically like this alien leader brings his alien force down to Earth, but you find out that these aliens are like super tiny, and the leader gets stuck um, with the with the little with Cindy and um, and he's and basically it, being tortured. Yeah, it's it's super funny, and and the animation's a little different, which I I enjoyed, and uh, and it's just like it, it's like. And it's also, I think, one of my other favorite segments was uh, this is what bump goes bump in the night. Oh yeah, th- bu- th- things that go bump in the night. Yeah, and no, uh, it, it's like they're funny. I just wish there was a little more consistency with them among the episodes because I did think they were funny. And um, but it's like they're they kind of play more at like the end of them, like of the show, and. I, I guess I wish they were, they were a little more varied and like among the three, uh, I mean, the 13 episodes and whatnot. But um, but yeah, I guess let's also go into some of the uh, other talking points. I wish these weren't talking points, but they have to be because this is for some reason something that people think is a, a bad thing. Let's talk about the political humor used. Hmm. Yes, let's. So that, I hate talking about this because the original show was political. That's not, this is nothing new. So, oh, by the way, the, the beefy macho character is Nils Needheart. That's, that's what it was. And at first he's like, he's just kind of like a basic uh, Schwarzenegger parody back when it, basically specifically when he was a muscle build, uh, a bodybuilder. But then it's like with how absurd he they go with him. Like I I just found myself actually loving him. Oh yeah, he. Um, I I like the Olymp the Olympic uh, sketch, but I think I think his second appearance in um yeah, in the, the second... fina- in the finale is um is funnier. Oh yeah. So um, speaking of like the political humor, let's t- let's talk about it like this. First off, you could tell this show was supposed to be made back before a pandemic ruined everything oh yes so of course some of the the dialogue is going to feel a little like well that's a little late to be making a joke about that but of course you know animation takes time and of course they make fun of the fact that it's like everyone watches the animaniacs for up-to-date humor (laughs) which is partially true but also not true (laughs) again they've made fun of things that are from the 70s back in the in the original show so anyway um so a lot of people kind of point out that there were definitely a lot more political leaning jokes this time and 
with stuff like the Olympics, like they make fun of all the Olympic jokes, like, like tennis for unathletic people, ping pong, <laughs> or uh, the high dive, uh, organized falling, <laughs> or or just like uh, the the disc one where it's like where you absolutely need to throw a plate. <laughs> it, it's just or it's like the high jump now legal in 20 and 12 states <laughs> which oh that got to me and then there's a joke uh, an episode where um we'll get to the uh, greek mythology one but i want to talk about this one because i finally got the joke of the episode it's when uh the animania the, the warner siblings encounter a guy who sells them a lot of bunnies <laughs> oh yeah, the episode is called Bun Control, by the way. Yeah, so I don't know how I missed this the first time around, but this whole that the whole sketch is a gun control commentary. And it's not subtle once you realize that, but it's still really funny because it because it finally hit me during that the last bit where yeah where uh Wacko's like, Oh, is this about how Americans have too many shoes? And then Yakko's like, yeah, of course, because that's what America has, an overabundance of shoe violence. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, um, we get to the Greek mythology episode, which, by the way, has a fantastic comedic performance by Diedrich Bader as Odysseus. And, of course, at the end, he encounters a Cyclops that just happens to look like Trump, which, again, though, this show, this show is known to attack everyone it's going to make fun of everything and honestly a lot of the jokes are more lightweight than i think they could that like than i think i was expecting i was expecting maybe more scathing comments or jokes i do like the whole like cyclops part where it's just like i this is a great island and i and i can tell because i have these two gorgeous eyes even can i just say how how much i love maurice lamarche's uh trump impression <laughs> Yeah, no, um, yeah, Maurice Lamar, man, he and Frank Walker go out of their way in this season, uh, new incarnation, and they're just great. And um, and then of course there's the political joke, like Pinky and the Brain episode, where uh, they make fun of like the Senator Garp, where it's just like, well, if it's called a congressional playground or like uh, recess, then why can I swing? Can't like why can I not swing on the big kid swing? <laughs> <laughs> or or uh, it's like or it's like the guy walks in and gives them pinky and brain um and it's like but you know i can't take bribes from from outside sources and then they just laugh hysterically at it because that's what happens with politicians <laughs> and then of course the whole uh when they take down that one guy for because they have revealing revealing photos of him picking his nose and the guy says i thought i had that burger killed and <laughs> I mean, it's not obvious. I mean, it's not subtle about what that's actually supposed to mean. And then it's like, yeah, well, here's what, like, a photo of where you uh, wiped it away. And then it's like, like, yes, there, there's definitely a lot more political humor than I think from the original show. But it's still well written. I think unless you just have no sense of humor, everything, like, I found the political humor to be funny. Oh, yeah. No, I think most, if not all, the political um humor lands um but one of the weird one of the weirdest jokes is in the second in the second episode um the 
like the, the closing sketch is called Suffragette City, um, which is um, like the, like the, pre the premise is on the 100th anniversary of the passing of the 19th Amendment, um, Dot takes to Washington to, to march for cartoon characters' rights to vote. Yeah, that, yeah, I kind of like, I was like, oh, this is kind of cute. And then I watched it again today and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, like it's, it, it, it's, it's such a weird, like hard left turn from what, from what I thought the, the song was going to be. Wait, what's the, the first part is the, the overall song is great, by the way. It's just like, I don't think there was actually a bad song in this season. But yeah, that that's the one song where it takes like a a weird left turn into a wildly different commentary. And considering all the some of the news stories that are around that were around during the election, it's very timely. <laughs> Though uh, I do like one of my favorite jokes from that episode is still the Benedict dragon, which oh, is the whole, yep. yeah the whole joke of him being called Benedict and a dragon is. Of course, Benedict Cumberbatch playing Smog in the Hobbit films. I also and, love how the title the title is "How to Brain Your Dragon." <laughs> and um, but yeah, no. It then of course there's the um the episode uh, where which one is it? Um, it's the one where they find out that there's a Russian knockoff uh, propaganda version of their episode, <laughs> which goes into an even bigger meta commentary. Um about how the about the original show um which is all very funny not super subtle but like one of the things about like them not bringing back all the cast members is that some of the the original cast members like maybe they could have rewritten some of them to be more up to date but some of them just had really bad jokes that aged poorly about them like hello nurse like and they make fun of that aspect because like the russian ripoff version is like the joke is that it is funny that female has high medical job and it's like, wow. <laughs> um, but it's like, I mean, what do you think? Cause that was a, that was the, like one of the more not subtle in your face joke, uh, jokes with the whole Russian. I, aspect. Um, the, the, like the Russian, the Russian version of the animaniac um, theme <laughs> is, is probably the, uh, it's probably one of the clips that I've rewatched the most that and, um, and the cutening scene. Oh um, gosh. Yeah. Like, the, like that, that song, the, like the cutening song um, is such like, it's such an earworm that I don't think I'll ever get it out of my head anytime soon. It's going to be like that uh, Lego movie two song. This song's going to get stuck inside your head. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's also talk about the sketch from episode five, where they have to, where they get stalked by a hunter who is, um, let's just say, for everyone who is like, man, they don't have many of the other returning cast members and whatnot. Well, this episode kind of pokes fun at that aspect by mm -hmm. introducing a hunter who basically hunted and, well, didn't taxiderm them, but it was implied until the very end. Though, is it true that the character that does end up being like, like how do, how do I word this? The character that in, that it's not like the hunter is actually not a hunter per se. He's actually like, and I guess we'll spoil this. It turns out that it's Chicken Boo, and is that true that Chicken Boo was not a popular character? Um, I 
I don't know if I can, if I can really confirm that. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's evidence out there that, that he was one of the less popular characters. I mean, it was like our friend Ruben kind of pointed out like, oh my gosh, Chicken Boo is like a dirty joke, like a walking, talking, dirty joke. (laughs) And it's like, you look back, you think, I thought back to those sketches because the whole sketch of Chicken Boo was he was dressed up as a human and never, and nobody realized he was a human until the very end and then chased him out of town. There's definitely a uh, cruder aspect to that character, but I, and then of course they show all the characters at the end. Um, and are like the characters from the previous show i don't think it was as mean-spirited as some people uh made made it out to be i i i I think that's um that's in the eye of the beholder um i i just think it's fun (laughs) i just find like um i just find that clip funny um i i i posted i posted that like that still of all the supporting characters like getting ready to like to beat on chicken boo um i i post that on twitter with the caption so this is so this is uh this was the reaction of the supporting characters when they learned that they were not invited to the reboot (laughs) and uh there i mean there were some where it's like i wouldn't mind seeing back but some of them would either have to be like adjust like updated to be a more modern take on them because i know like the hip hippos and uh mink like their sketches kind of don't age well or I, they don't i was never a big fan of um the hip hippos because it was definitely like a very late i mean i guess like it was biting it's 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 the simpsons situation it was a biting joke and observation back in the day but now it's like ah, eh, i don't want to see that and i guess to me because they talked about saying like hey we would love to bring back more of the original characters if we get more seasons and I hate that comment because it is like, why didn't you do that in the first place? But I understand that, like, I don't know. I don't, I remember half of the characters being funny. And then there are just some that it's like, I never liked Mindy and Buttons. So, okay. Um, well, I have two things to say about that. One, what? Steven Spielberg would have agreed with you. The only reason why Mindy and Buttons um, like stayed on the show was because his kids were big fans. And like Spielberg had final say on, on, on the show, except, except his kids, his kids, because I guess they were pretty young at the time. His, his kids were the only ones who had veto power over Spielberg's veto. (laughs) I just, it's just like, those jokes don't like those skits don't age well, because it is like, I'm a reckless parent leaving you for eight hours and then going to come back and be like, what the heck? (laughs) Like, like, it's not her fault. Like, it's like, it's the dog's fault for some reason that he was uh, kept in charge of a kid who they didn't really do a good job keeping that kid safe. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. No. And then uh, Mink, like a lot of her jokes were mostly like ogled and sexually harassed. <laughs> or like, at least from what I remember. Um, but I wouldn't mind seeing back like them bringing back some of the characters. I think like the good feathers were funny. I know they'd have a hard time trying to bring back, uh, Oh, the, what were the dog and the cat named? Um, Rita and run. Yeah. Rita and run, because I know you can get Frank Welker, but you, you definitely need, um, what was her name? The actress who played Rita, uh, Bernadette Peters. You would need Bernadette Peters. And I don't know. 
Do you think they could have brought her? They they could bring her back or commence her to come back if they brought back Rita and Rent. Um, I I think I think if they if they actually put in the effort and and reached out to her, I'm sure she would love to return. But um, but you know, even even back in the '90s, like like they had to, they had to make like like very special arrangements to get her like to get her into the booth to record. And I'm I'm pretty sure they record like all of her stuff um like in like large chunks at a time yeah so okay so hypothetical situation if they could bring back rita and runt um who would you get if they couldn't get bernadette peters back who would you like it like again hypothetical to voice rita Ooh, that's a good question um like the only the only other person i that comes to mind um right now who is still kind of contemporary in the broadway scene would be like um adina menzel i i didn't want to say that because i thought that was too obvious but <laughs> i i think that's yeah i i think that or, would be a good choice or, right. or if not um you get philippa sue yeah i could see that now um i guess we have to talk about because we have to deal with a really obnoxious troll this past this weekend before we got to this point because a lot of people mostly the bad eggs of the Snyder fandom took offense that they took, they made two super harmless jokes at Batman v Superman and Snyder's expense. <sighs> you know, they're, 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 they weren't even like that biting. It was just like a tourist saying like, and here's where they filmed Superman. I mean, Batman <gasps> versus Superman. Oh, like first off with that joke, I'm sorry. I know that there's like new re- reinvigorated love for Snyder and his take with Justice League and Batman v Superman, but with how big of a events and some could argue disaster that Batman versus Superman was, not that it was like a financial bomb, but it still underperformed. Um, and then with the whole like director's cut fiasco and whatnot and and such it's going to be made fun of it's like it, 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 whether you love it or hate it it's a very major part of the 2010 cinematic uh experience of that decade mm-hmm. and then the when they're on the uh roller coaster and it goes to slow-mo yakko just is like hey zach snyder's move it along <laughs> which is just making fun of the fact that yeah zach snyder likes using variations of the slow motion gimmick and it's like really those are the two jokes you got mad at like compared compared to compared compared to like other like other jabs at like at wb properties in whether it's the original show or tiny tunes those two those two jabs at, at snyder are like benign they are so harmless and yet so many people took up a like their pitchforks and torches like like they just said like Everyone who likes Zack Snyder is a, is a dummy. They didn't. They're, a lot of these jokes that people get mad at, a lot of them are really, like you said, they're just very vanilla, like a bowl of vanilla ice cream. Like it, there's nothing special about them. And knowing like some of the stuff that's like Snyder has said in interviews or other film projects that he's done, they could have easily gone more like at his other stuff. But of course, because Batman versus Superman had, happened they're of course going to go after that they do that all the time like the original basically made fun of pocahontas and the fact that like disney was just super reliant on the whole disney renaissance style of filmmaking back then 
and uh, I don't know. It's just like these people get mad at the wrong joke. Like they get mad for the wrong reasons and it's constantly infuriating. And it's like, they even make fun of the fact like the trolls might say we're passe, but we were, but we did meta first, not technically first, but still Mm -hmm. like so many cartoons were made like comedies evolved because of Animaniacs because Animaniacs and Spielberg had a certain style in mind. So the, the next, the next time someone gets mad about, well, anything in the reboot, but, but like specific jabs at like um, a film that, that you like, I will point them to the clip from the original, the please, please, please get a life foundation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I, I don't know, like, a lot of people got mad, like, just to go off, a little off topic. A lot of people got mad at people saying, like, uh, I don't know if you saw the article where Christopher Nolan got phone calls from his uh, filmmaking friends saying, like, yeah, we had a hard time hearing what your characters were saying in the, in the, in your movies. And it's like, you know, like, I'm sure if they made, if Animaniacs made fun of that aspect, I, I'm sure Nolan would get a kick out of it. it you can't work in Hollywood unless you have a sense of humor about yourself because comedy like everything is so connected now comedy is going to go after whatever they think they can make into a funny joke i'm i'm genuinely surprised that there like there weren't like like there wasn't even like a single christopher nolan um uh jab i maybe we'll see more later um maybe because i know i know ducktales got to got to that first when they had uh that christopher nolan parody who was voiced by edgar wright which was you know that's funny in its own right Mm -hmm. um but like yeah really i don't really have that many complaints i do think like they needed more sketches like i guess i would have loved to have seen a return of good idea bad idea (laughs) that was one of my personal favorites um i i I like that and um uh, what was the name of the kid oh uh randy demon oh well which one was that one um, that, that was the kid who would like run outside, tell this like really like off kilter story. Oh and, and yes. It, and then you would end with, okay, bye. <laughs> and run back inside. I mean, like in general, I found a lot of these episodes in this first season funny. And we do get, see a return of, uh, Dr. Sh- uh, I want to say his name correctly. Scratch and sniff. Yep. And Rob Paulson, of course, is on point. Like, Really, it's it's amazing how on point the voice actors are in this show. Like like great impressions and just like, hey, it's been 22 years, but we could still voice these characters like these were made yesterday. And then, of course, there are some great performances from like people like Gray Griffin. And I loved the uh, Edward Snowden parody and oh, how he was obsessed yep. with his plant, with, with the plant. And uh, I, I just thought, I mean- I, the, I, the, pu- the punchline for that, for that sketch um was hilarious a little bit predictable but also um but also totally worth it yeah and um no it's like i don't know i i thought this was a pretty great overall first season and i like like yes i do want them to bring back some of the original like crew members and some of the original cat like cartoon casts but like it like one of my favorite like sketches was the whole silent one where it was like a police, a security camera watching Ralph. And then the whole like vampire uh, incident 
during that thing, I laughed my head off because it was just a whole sketch, like reliant on just visual jokes and storytelling. And Ralph was always one of my favorite characters from the show. And uh, I just thought it was funny. And <laughs> I do love like the, the drag, like the fantasy one with the dragon and such where the king is like, it's the witch back. And then he finds out it's a dragon. He's like, oh my gosh, it's a dragon called the witch. <laughs> and then uh, the newscaster for the cartoons should have rights to votes sketch with Phil Lamar as a reporter. Um, uh, being like, this just in the cartoon, like cartoons have fought their way to for their right to vote. And I have to say is, I don't know, <laughs> or something like that. And, um, but yeah, I thought this was, now here's a good debate, like discussion. Do you prefer this over the Looney Tunes reboot? Uh, ooh. Um, I think the I think this has more a little bit more um, rewatchability than the Looney Tunes reboot. But um, but as far as capturing the spirit, I think I give the slighter edge to uh, to Looney Tunes. Um, my my big complaint with that is like. Um, I, I just want more of, of those Looney Tunes because I, I thought we were getting more af- after the 10th episode, uh, but it's, it, seems like, it seems like they're kind of holding back. Yeah, they're like taking their time to either finish them or release them in a scheduled format. Now, it's a shame, but I do kind of, I, I will say this. I think some of the jokes in Looney Tunes were better because they were like 12 minutes and such so they had so they definitely like worked faster on making sure the jokes hit harder but yeah i agree i think animaniacs has more rewatchability because then it's like i pick up on jokes like the whole thing with uh they like the uh, there was a joke that was reoccurring in the pinky and the brain sketches where they bring they're like it's now pinky the brain and edwin <laughs> and of course that being the whole internal joke of they were like Pinky in the Brain was a huge hit, but the higher ups wanted them to add another character. So it's like it's Pinky in the Brain and Larry. <laughs> like he wouldn't be even be used in the show. He would just be like, everybody was like, huh, that's a weird joke, but it's funny, not knowing the context of it. And then Ed- Eggwind would be like, oh, I'm gr- happy to be here. And then like he either gets taken away or eaten. And then it's just back to Pinky in the Brain. <laughs> Like, I don't know. I think this show, this new season has, or this new iteration has, like, a lot of the spirit of the original. Of course, like we've said, it could be better. But I think in general, they hit it out of the park. And that's hard for reboots because, you know, we've had stuff like the, uh, the Powerpuff Girls reboot where that thing just was made for no one. And so, yeah, I highly recommend it. Yeah, I, I, rem- I recommend it as well. Um uh it's been it's been a while since we've done a a recommendation segment um so i will give i will give my my devil's advocate recommendation to just say if the reboot if the reboot isn't your cup of tea just go back and watch the original everything is on hulu everything from animaniacs tiny tunes pinky in the brain pretty sure freakazoids on there too i know it's on brv but that might not be true anymore um i had a few i have two recommendations one i recommend a animated film called the big bad fox and other tales not only because it has like a christmas segment at the end and we're quickly heading into there 
but also because it has a very Looney Tunes Animaniac style humor with its dialogue and physical comedy. It is a super funny movie. And it's by the director who did uh, Ernest and Celestine. Mm. So, and it, it's so funny. It has a very Animaniacs, Looney Tunes, like, logic to it also with its comedy. So I definitely recommend that. I also recommend, since we're talking about the Steven Spielberg cartoon uh, <clears throat> stuff that, that he's worked on, I'd recommend watching Freakazoid. I, I don't know if that one gets as much love as it kind of deserves, because it was kind of like the first quote-unquote troll cartoon. Like, it was, like, used more absurd humor than I think Animaniacs was willing to go for. It, 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 to me, it, that's what it kind of feels like. Like, Spielberg wanted to use, or, like, the writers wanted to use certain jokes, but they couldn't make it work with Animaniacs, so they just made Freakazoid. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah. Uh, like, they're, like one of my favorite jokes in, or episodes is when they're trapped on an island, and it's obviously, like, a parody of, like, the island of Dr. Monroe. Uh, Moreau, mm-hmm. And the villain who's played by Tim Curry uh, uh, like gets up to them with his uh, mutated ape men. And he's like, no, it's like, welcome Freakazoid. Now, like I, we have such sights to show you. And Freakazoid's like, no, there's only eight minutes left. Well, if you weren't stuck on the plane and uh, okay. <laughs> or it's like uh, when they, like they make fun of him, like, when they're like eating at a dinner table, it's like, they all laughed at me. They called me a charlatan, crazy Wendell. <laughs> like who's laughing now (laughs) it's a very weird show to get into because it's it's definitely very not it's very animaniacs like but it's not animaniacs so Uh, apparently freakazoid was meant to be a little bit more um more like a um like a mix of batman the animated series and like and and that like that spielberg comedy um it was it was created by uh bruce tim and paul dini but then Spielberg ha- hired um, Tom Ruger to, I guess, silify it. Yeah, no, well, that makes sense because it does feel like a a, cr- a trollish parody of what Bruce Tim was working on. Because this was like the Justice League and Superman the animated series time period. So yeah, I recommend I recommend Freakazoid, and of course, I recommend just really any of the cartoons Steven Spielberg worked on. So. And including the, the, of course, the reboot. So, yeah, that's all I have to say. Yeah. Um, well, this, well, this has been a, a very fun episode. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we we got a lot, a lot of variety this time around. Yeah. No, I think we had a like. It wasn't just like bad. Okay. Good. 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 It was just like, it was like okay. Okay kind of varying levels of good and then great. And I like that because animation, I mean, yes, I would love everything to be amazing, but that's not going to happen. But but when we get these episodes where we get to talk about a bit of everything, that's what I like. That's my favorite kind of podcast. Same. All right, before before we head out, Cameron, where can everyone find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash cams I view or, you know, at cams I view. I run a website called camsiview.biz where I review animated films uh, called The Other Side of Animation. I'm going to be working on a new review soon, and then I'll be almost at the point of doing 200 animation reviews. Um, and I have a Patreon at patreon.com slash camsiview. And you can find me on the Renegade Pop, uh, Pop Culture Facebook group. I'll post there from time to time. 
Awesome. And you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at CaptainK42. Check out my quick thought reviews on letterbox.com slash CoachK42. Find me in all the various Facebook groups just at my name. Check out Renegade Pop Culture on Facebook and Twitter at Red Pop Culture. Check out all our podcasts on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. And last but not least, don't forget to check out RenegadePopCulture.com. Me and Escape, so do we. That'll do it for this installment of Renegade Animation. We will catch you guys later. Peace out. Bye.